Hello, and welcome to another great message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and video related to this message, please visit www.parkviewchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. Glad you're here. I'm Doug, one of the pastors, and it's a privilege for me to get to speak on Father's Day. So, fathers, could you stand up with me, all right? So I want to really acknowledge, recognize fathers. Stand up. And I'm not doing this just because it's my team, uh, but um, guys, this banner, we, this name we bear as dad, as father, is um, one of the highest callings in our lives. Like I jumped up last hour too. Uh, it's a calling that should make our knees buckle. Um, when you look at the statistics of the role a dad has on his kids' lives and on the health of a family, especially spiritually, that the more we are leading humbly and spiritually, uh, we, we set an amazing influence and tone on our kids and, and wives. And so um, it, it's a privilege to carry this name that we carry, um, but it's also a great challenge and one that God wants to help us with. So um, I applaud you that you're here today. You're not golfing or fishing or <laughs> those things are great. I applaud you that you're here, that you're hungry to learn more about how to be a godly man and a godly dad. So with those thoughts, could we all just clap for these dads? Like, we're, all, we're thankful for you. All right, good, you guys can grab a seat. All right, so um, I'm gonna show you a few pictures here. These are sons of famous dads. So you're gonna see the son first. I want you to guess, if, see if you can guess who this person's dad is. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's the first picture. Uh, anybody know who his dad is? This guy's name is Joseph Bena. And his father is Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So there he is, right? So, all right, so hopefully you got it. Here's the next one. Uh, this um, person's name is Knox. And he, yeah, Brad Pitt, his father's name is Brad. That's Brad Pitt's son. Okay, here's the next one. Uh, anybody? Scott. Yep, Scott. What's his dad's name? Clint. All right, make my day. There we go. There's Clint, right? So how about this one? This is too easy. This is Colin, and his son, his father is Tom Hanks, right? That was an easy one. And then this guy, his name is Trey. Anybody know his father? Yeah, Will Smith. Man, you guys are good. Way better than 8 o'clock. All right, so <laughs> you guys nailed them. That was too easy. All right, so that's good. And so um, as a church, we've been studying the Beatitudes this summer. We're in number 7 out of 8. And there's really a connection there, too, that as we're going to read them in a little bit. But when you read each of the statements of the Beatitudes, uh, they're, they're uh, staggering. You read those and you go, whoa, how, how could I ever do that? And uh, I just want to be clear that the Beatitudes are not like how you earn your way to be loved by God, but they are evidences that God is your father and that you have surrendered your life to his son, Jesus Christ. And these are the things that Jesus does through us. So like today when we say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That if you're a peacemaker, you're showing a resemblance. People will look at you and go, I know that's not you, or I know you didn't get that on your own. You, you look a lot like God when you do that. And so that's really the purpose of all the Beatitudes. They're not like these are the, this is what the A-team does. Like the A-team Christians live out the Beatitudes. Actually, it's all of us who say we are Christians, we follow Jesus Christ, these are statements that show the kind of life 
that he wants to pour through us, okay? So let's stand together and let's read them. And today we're focusing on seven, number seven out of eight, but I think it's helpful to get all eight in front of us. So let's read these uh, together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. While you're standing, let's pray. And could you ask God this morning to, um, when you look at the landscape of your life, would you say, let's look at two places. Would you say that in general there's peace in your life this morning, that you're at peace with God or, you're, you know, there's a lot of circumstances, but would you say you're at peace this morning? If not, ask God, who's the ultimate peacemaker, to make peace in your heart. And then the second place I want you to go is horizontal. Could you think through your relationships? And is there a relationship this morning that's not peaceful, like that needs some peacemaking to happen. So go vertical. Are you at peace with God this morning? Go horizontal. Are you at peace with the people around you? Just, just pray for a little bit, and then I'll, I'll close this. God, thank you that you heard our prayers. Thank you that you are a God of peace. You're a God who likes to make peace between us and you and then in the relationships in our life. So you've heard every cry. You've heard every prayer. God, there's places in our lives in this room this morning that there is not peace. And so would you be the peacemaker today in our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Good job. All right, so we're talking about peacemaking. We definitely live in a world that needs peace. There's this organization called the Institute for Economics and Peace. And in 2015, out of 162 countries, they declared that there are only 11 countries that could be considered to be at peace today. And I'll bet you if we could just scope each other's prayers this morning, uh, that there's marriages right now that would say they're not at peace, that there's relationships between dads and kids uh, or between siblings or between co-workers that are not at peace. And so this is a topic we definitely uh, need this morning. And so um, what is a peacemaker? Let's just ask that question first. Uh, sometimes let's just clarify. Sometimes you clarify what something is by describing what it isn't. So a peacemaker is not a peacekeeper. Sometimes we're good at peacekeeping, and that can actually not be a good thing. It can be like a conflict avoider or uh, somebody who's passive and you see a, a situation that isn't right, but you just kind of walk by it either because you're afraid or uh, because you really don't care that much about it. And so uh, obviously that's not what God is calling us to be uh, peacekeepers. Um, in fact, when you talk about the word peace, let's be clear what we're after. Uh, the Hebrew word was the word shalom. It meant to be at perfect rest like in your soul and throughout your life. And it really had nothing to do with your circumstances, that, that you could be suffering physically, you could be suffering financially, there could be very hard things going around you. But shalom is something that you can have in any situation because shalom comes from God. 
God over 400 times in the Bible talks about peace, and he identifies himself as a God of peace. And so really the root of peace comes from being rightly related to God, that you and your creator are, are, are connected, that there's, there's peace in your relationship with your creator. And once you have that, you are leveraged to really experience peace or deep well-being throughout your life, regardless of your circumstances. So that's what we're talking about. We talk about peace. And so a peacemaker is different than a peacekeeper that just kind of looks around because I, I doubt there's any of us that say right now there's perfect peace. Like I'm just perfectly at peace with God, perfectly at peace with my situations in life, perfectly at peace with every, every person in my life. So peacekeeper a lot of times means you're just kind of either lowering what peace really is or you're annoy, ignoring and avoiding conflict, okay? So, but a peacemaker is somebody who sees that there's a need for greater peace or that there is no peace and who has the courage and the love to move in and do something about that. Let's go make peace. Let's go do something. There's no peace there now, but let's step in and let's bring peace. And uh, that is what our God has done for us. When we talk about Jesus leaving heaven, leaving a place where there's no conflict, no sin, perfect love, and he left that place to come and bring peace to us. God is the ultimate peacemaker. But sometimes it helps us to have pictures, like what does that look like you know, at our level, at the human level? And so uh, this one, this is a group of people I just learned about a couple months ago. They just keep blowing me away. They're called the Free uh, Burma Rangers. Free Burma Rangers. The guy that started it um, is a guy named David Eubank. He has received um, special military ops training. He was a commander in the forces. His parents were missionaries in Thailand. And so when he retired from the military, one day his parents were showing his picture to some Christians in Burma who were facing intense opposition and persecution. And they saw this missionary couple's son in a military outfit and said, could he come and train us so that we can defend ourselves, so that we can for those who are in need. And that birthed this whole movement called the Free Burma Rangers, where now there are 71 teams of primarily Burmese Christians whose, whose task is to go and bring peace to areas of conflict. And so they are equipped with military training, but that is only so that they have the freedom then to move in and bring aid or assistance where it's needed. And so in these 20 years, they've treated over 500,000 patients. They've helped over a million people. And the requirement to be on this team, there's three of them. You have to love people. You have to have physical and moral courage to enter into conflict. And you have to be able to read and write because they bring uh, medical and uh, practical assistance to people. So you've got to read things and apply things on the fly. So just recently, the Washington Post did a story on these folks. And I want to show you a video clip And what you're going to see is about two years ago, see other parts of the world that are in intense conflict are hearing about these free Burma rangers and saying, can you come and train our people? And so the Kurds in Iraq invited these people to come and train them. And so this David Eubank and his three kids, 16, 15, and 11, live in Mosul. And they are there now to bring hope and to bring, you know, um, to respond medically when there's needs. And so what you're about ready to see is About six or eight weeks ago, ISIS has been on on the run more and more in Mosul, and so in one of their acts of desperation, 
they just randomly mowed down like 50 or 100 civilians. And so in the midst of that, uh, some of these free Burmese rangers saw, you know, the bodies laying down, but they saw a child who was still alive under the, the deceased body of this child's mom. And so what you're going to see is these free Burmese rangers moving in to rescue this kid. And then after that, you're going to see this, kid, this guy's daughter, 16-year-old daughter, driving a Humvee okay, through Mosul, and just like, yeah, this is what we do, and it's kind of, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's compelling, okay, so just, it goes about a minute, watch, watch what these guys are doing. Okay, so that's, that's peacemaking, right? That's stepping into a place of conflict and where there is not peace with the real hope and motive of bringing peace, right? Can we call that exhibit A? Like, that's pretty awesome, right? And, but again, if we go above that, exhibit A plus, 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 is what Jesus has done for us. And so David Eubanks and the others in this organization would say, they're motivated by what Jesus has done for them. So exhibit even beyond that is what Christ has done for us. And so we're gonna talk for a couple minutes about the ultimate peacemaker is Jesus, right? So uh, John 14, 27, Jesus said this, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. And so Jesus' whole reason, again, from le for leaving heaven, perfect place, no sin, perfect relationship with his father, to come to a place where uh, there's sinful people that have opposed him, rejected him, uh, a place filled with hurt and pain and suffering, and he walked that, he experienced that. He came to bring peace. He's the ultimate peacemaker, and so he tells us that he gives us a peace that this world can't give. He brings us a peace from heaven that we cannot find here. And so Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, bring your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So one invitation to all of us this morning is that, is that Jesus came to bring us peace. And if this has not been a week characterized by peace, if there's been some sleepless nights or some times of worry and fear, I think first Jesus would just say, hey, I came to bring you peace. And, and the way we access that, the Bible is very clear, is you access, access that through prayer, that you pray and you petition, you just ask God, you put things out there, you tell him what you're worried about, tell him what you're afraid of, and you thank him. You, you thank him for all the good things he's done for you. And the promise is, that when we do that, we'll get a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't promise us that all your problems will go away, that you'll feel better, that your finances are fixed, just like that, but it says you'll have a peace that you have no understanding where it came from. There, there's no description for where could that come from except that it came from God. And so that's what Jesus came to offer us. And, 
And so I encourage you this morning, um, if there's not peace in your life, I just got to ask, have you been, have you been praying? I, I had somebody tell me once that if there's still, uh, still some stress and anxiety and worry in your life, you haven't prayed enough. Like, just keep praying. Like, stay down. Is the fear gone? No. Well, keep praying, right? Just keep going. Sometimes our prayers are quick and short. And so the invitation is, let's pray and we'll walk through peace. And we just throw that out to dads this morning in particular. If, if we could ask our kids, um, how, how do you want dad to be this week around the house? Do you want dad to be kind of stressed out and worked up about, you know, fill in the blank job or finances or future? Or, or do you kind of want dad to be calm and dad to be you know, patient and he's kind of fun, he's laughing? Like, which dad, you know, just that our kids at their various ages could just ask, what kind of dad comes home at the end of the day? Like, dads, let me just say for that amazing mantle we carry, that name we carry of dad, I see no way we do that effectively if we're not men who are on our knees, that we are just giving God our own worries, our own fears, our own anxieties, so we don't bring that garbage home. So we'll come home and be grumpy dad or impatient dad or, you know, something else that's really tricky in dad world is when you see things in your kids' lives that you just go, hmm, I'm just not so sure about that, you know? And so impatient dad comes off hard and scolding, and, but dads, let me ask, like, do you pray for your kids? Do you pray for the things that you see in their lives and you're just not quite sure? Is that, is that right, God? Is that what you're calling them to do? Is that just my preference I'm trying to put on them? You do your best parenting on your knees. And so, again, if our kids could vote, do you want dad to pray this week or not? The kids would go, I vote yes. The dad prays. But so, first, Jesus is a peacemaker. He brings peace into our life. But let's understand this, that... The peace Jesus brings us comes at an amazing price. He paid an amazing price to bring us peace. Let me read. There's going to be a couple, maybe six verses here. But I think these are some of the strongest uh, teachings in the New Testament about Jesus and who he is. Okay, so Colossians 1.16. Listen to what it says. It says, In Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or rulers or powers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Those are loaded verses about how amazing Jesus is, fully God, the only one that's walked this planet in a human body that's been fully God, created all things. All things are for him. He's the ultimate authority. And if there's one word to put over that passage, put the word supremacy. Jesus is supreme. So that's who he is. But then look what he did for us to bring peace. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. There's some powerful, again, we could take hours and just unpack the riches in that passage. But what Jesus did, this is how he brought peace. When he says, I give you peace that the world can't give. 
What he did is he stepped in and through his own blood, through his own death on the cross, he resolved our biggest conflict. The biggest need we have is that every one of us has sinned against and offended our creator God, the holy God. The Bible says that God opposes proud people, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we live our lives in opposition to God and we do our things and we're living in sin, that doesn't go well. Like that, that could be a source of some of our lack of peace this morning is that we're doing our thing instead of his. And it's not a really a fair battle. Think about windshield versus bug, like you versus God. Like if you're going against God, you are in big trouble. Like you will not find peace, lasting, deep, rich peace vertically or horizontally in in your life. And so Jesus saw that need and as a peacemaker, he moved in and it cost him his life. He had to die on the cross. He had to ask, well, why did God have to do that? Why couldn't God just say, I'll just, I'll just love everybody. I'll just give everybody peace. Because we know, I think when we come square up with a holy God, we know we've all fallen short. Yeah, but what about when I did this? Or what about when I said this? Or what about, and if God were to say, oh, don't worry about that and just kind of wink at us, it's not that big a deal. Sin is a huge deal. Like when we've been sinned against, somebody's really hurt us, we don't want to say, God, it's not that big a deal. It's like, it is a big deal. That really hurt me. And so I think that if we're honest, we see not only have we been hurt by people, but we've hurt others. And so God's not a conflict avoider. He's not going to just take our sins and the sins done to us and just kind of sweep them under a rug and say, let's, let's just say we have peace with each other. Like that's not legit. So legit peace comes from when we see God makes a big deal of our sin and the sins done to us. And the big deal is that Jesus stepped forward and died for those sins. He paid the price. He shed his blood for those sins. So those sins have been dealt with. And so when we come to God with our guilt and shame, we say, but God, how, how could you really offer me peace? Because look what I did. And God would say, you know, I hate what you did, but I paid for that. Jesus paid for that on the cross. And so now I offer you peace. And so um, I think sometimes we just trivialize the, the price of sin and how it really disrupts our peace with God. And, and I think we trivialize the, the price that God paid uh, to, to, to cover our sin and to offer, offer us peace. Um, you know, sometimes one of the hardest things as a dad uh, is that you can set yourself up to be really hurt. You know, that there's maybe, none of us would say we're perfect dads and you lay out your life and you try to love your kids and, and yet there's things that maybe they say to you or that they do that just crush your heart. But I think the greatest pain that any father has ever gone through would be when God the Father uh, heard the cry from his own son uh, just hours before his crucifixion when Jesus prayed in, in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed to his father and he said, Abba, Father, like that word Abba was like, Daddy, Daddy, all things are possible for you. I mean, you can do anything. I've seen it. I've seen what you've done with creation and all the miracles. All things are possible for you. And then Jesus said, take this cup from me. And the cup was the cross and the crucifixion and shedding blood. God, Father, take that from me, but not what I will, but, but what you will. God, your plan, not mine. And dads, there's been times you've had to say no to your kids and maybe they don't understand it and they cry and they kind of fight against it or whatever. But no father has heard that request um, from an innocent, perfect son and who has said, who's had to say no. God the Father said no to that request. 
because he's a God of peace. He's a peacemaker. And he saw how crucial it was what Jesus did on the cross to bring us peace. And so he said no. You know, on the other side of that, you see the peace that the blood and the death of Jesus Christ has brought for all of us. God was not a conflict avoider. God moved out of his love for us, moved and gave us peace through Jesus Christ. It came at great cost. And so the same is true for us. As we extend peace, it's going to come with great cost. And we saw the free Burmese rangers. We see a family living in Mosul. That, that's a reflection. God has done something very costly for me. And we want, to, we want to, as well, just invest in seeing peace go forward. And so the results of that amazing sacrifice by Jesus, by that amazing offering of God the Father, is that we can have peace with God. Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved in his life? Here's the point. If God went through all of that to bring you peace with him when you were his enemy, now that if you have your faith in Jesus Christ and you say, okay, I need my sins forgiven. God, I, I have rebelled against you. Would you forgive me? You receive peace from him. And now that you're reconciled, you were his enemy. Now you're reconciled. Now you're like his son or daughter. Now he is so for you and with you. Like through the living Christ who is supreme, you are set free now to be a peacemaker. So remember, all these beatitudes, you don't just look at the statement and go, okay, I better become that. I'm going to try to be that. No, those are things that you become when you understand what Jesus has done for you. So there's no way any of us on our own will be peacemakers. But when we understand what God has done to bring peace into our lives, and now we understand that we're reconciled with God, that we are his sons and daughters, that he is for us and that he is with us, then you're empowered to be a peacemaker, okay? Um, because the biggest reason we will not be peacemakers is going to be like, well, who's going who's to take care of me? Or who, who's going to, like, if I really step out there, what if they don't respond right? Or what if they keep hurting me? Or if I offer forgiveness, what if? So um, the biggest reason we have conflict in our lives is that we don't think our needs are being met. And so we're going to expect those needs to be met by the people around us. But when we understand that God has offered us peace with the creator of the universe, to be honest, that's all we need. Like we're set free. We're set up. If God is for us and with us, what else do you need? So then you move in horizontally where there's conflict, where there's tension, not as needy, not as desperate, not as defending, not as retaliating, because all those needs have been met through the gospel. Now you move out as a peacemaker. God didn't move toward us, making a huge deal out of how much we owe him and all the things we've done wrong. He moved toward us in grace. So when you receive the gospel, when you are a peacemaker, you do the same. It's the same different tone. It's an attitude of how you move out to make peace. And so like Matthew 6, Jesus says this, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So it's a whole different posture towards the people you're in conflict now because first, you're at peace vertically. You have the peace of God. And now, now you're ready to be a peacemaker. So let's talk about, well, where are the different places that God is calling us to bring peace, okay? First, I think the, God, the Bible is calling us to bring peace into the world 
bring peace to the people around us. And so let me ask you a question. And when you leave here today, so let's say from today until next Sunday, can you think of three people that you're going to see, you know, at least a couple times this week, that right now you're not sure if they're at peace with God? Like you're not sure if they've heard this whole gospel thing, they've heard this whole thing about Jesus dying to bring them peace. Can you think of three people um, that you're not sure they have peace with God right now? And so I, I think one thing Jesus would say to us this morning is like, so what do you want me to do this week? I think first Jesus would say, I, I want you to bring peace uh, to some people's lives that don't, don't know about me. So look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So before we understood that we can have peace with God until now, totally different people. Like, wow, I can be at peace with God. We're new creations. So now look what we do with that, verse 18. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're God's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So guys, we have a new banner now. We're ambassadors. And so an ambassador represents the values, the convictions, the culture from the country they came from. So there's a whole new set of values and convictions now that when you understand God has made peace with you, now, that, now you're given an assignment, like go be peacemakers. Go with this message that there's a God that is offering peace with all of us. So um, I think Sharon mentioned earlier about this class we're doing on missional living. Like how do you practically uh, let people know about God and about this God of peace? It's really important to be equipped. Can, can I just say before you get equipped, and, and you might not be able to make that class, this is something we can all do. You, you, you gotta check your heart, okay? We gotta check our hearts. Like how many of us, those three names I gave you, how many times just in a typical week do we just not even think about are they at peace with God? Okay, let's just start with our hearts. Like do we even, do we even care? Like do we even think about, okay, well, I wonder how I could maybe be the one to bring this message of reconciliation. Let me, let me encourage us as a church, like if you've got those three names, what if you just started praying for them? Like, what if you just started praying, God, would you help these people understand that you're offering them peace? That there's a whole different way they can live in being in peace with their creator through Jesus. Like, just start there. And then if you get some training, or but I, I would say, like, we can all do this. Start there. Like, who are the people in your world that you don't know they know Jesus yet or not? And begin by praying for them. And you watch. God will take care of the rest. Like, God's pretty good at bringing up opportunities. God's pretty good at giving you words to say when you had no idea, what should I say here? And then, boom, he gives you a word. So I'm not saying no training. Training's important, but your heart is key. And so are you at least understanding your role as, as an ambassador for Christ, that you are representing a kingdom of peace, that there's a God who's offering peace to the people in your life? So, uh, so let's start there, all right? So in the world, God wants us to bring peace I mean, <laughs> so do you have friends that sometimes, like, there's one phrase they use that just rings out to you? There's a guy who's about 6'6". He used to be a leader with me here when I did uh, high school ministry. He was working on his uh, PhD in microbiology. He's now on faculty 
at Washington University, Dan Rao, if you guys were around then. So, and one of his favorite words was pansies. Man, we're a bunch of pansies. If we don't do this, we're a bunch of pansies. Like, so, like sometimes I think about, um, so why, like what I just challenged us with about praying for three people that don't know Jesus and maybe we could be the ones to introduce uh, the gospel to them. Like the things that hold us back are so stupid. Like I could, if Dan was here, he's like, we're a bunch of pansies. So like we're afraid of what they might think or we're afraid that we might say it wrong or we're afraid about our reputation if we talk about Jesus or whatever. I just, I go back to exhibit A on the human level of the family living in Mosul, like to bring peace. Like maybe he'd be here too. Pansies, like so whatever. But just like, wow, just, just out of our peace with God, we're being called to be peacemakers, okay, in the world around us. Here's the second Second sphere, I would say, would be we're called to bring peace in the church. We're called to bring peace among believers. I know this. I mean, the New Testament is absolutely clear on this. So let me take you to two places. One, as Jesus was praying the night before he was crucified, and again, I don't exactly know chronologically, was this before he asked his father to take the cup, or was it later, or were these prayers merged? But in John 17, on that same night, Jesus was praying for his disciples that they would stay strong and that they would be able to handle it when he you know, is crucified and then when he leaves them. But then he also prays for us. Listen to what Jesus prayed for us. He said, I don't ask for these only. So he's not only praying for his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so that's us. We believe in Jesus because of the message of the disciples that got spread over the centuries. So he's praying for us that we would all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I'm going to stop there, but he basically repeats the same thing. His, you ask Jesus, what is your desire for your people? What's your desire for this church? And what was on his heart that night right before the crucifixion is that we would be united, that we would be one, and that our unity would make a clear statement to the world around us that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive. Unity is a huge deal. Look at Ephesians chapter four. This is Paul writing this. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Okay, what's worthy of saying you're following Jesus? I mean, you can start filling in the blanks. I'm gonna go join that guy in Mosul tomorrow, or I'm gonna read my Bible for an hour every day, or you know, whatever that, what is a manner worthy of our calling? Look what he says. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of, pre- bond of peace. Could you circle that word eager if in your notes or in your Bible or in your outline? The word eager, can you say that's a descriptor of your relationship with other Christians? Is there an eagerness for unity? Is there an eagerness not to gossip? not to be us versus them, not to speak down about anybody, not to slander. Uh, is there an eagerness for, for unity? I said this last hour. I think um, one of the most beautiful things uh, as, a, as a pastor, and I try to affirm you guys many times as a front row seat, just watching so many people live for Jesus and walk with Jesus. There are so many encouraging things that I see. I think the things that sometimes hurt a heart of a pastor is when you see division. And when you see this side, that side, 
what we're running after you guys, I think is pretty unique to try to be a multi-generational church. I mean, you look at the ways you could split us up. It's by gender or by age or by race or by background or spiritual maturity. There's so many ways you could slice this place up. But if we could truly contend as one for the gospel, that's a beautiful picture. And that's real evidence that God is in our midst. And so I do hear these things occasionally, not as much as I hear other things, but these, these requests are beautiful uh, for, for a pastor that longs for unity. Like, for example, when you hear, and you can define older generation however you want to, right? If you're in that yet or not, that's up to you. But sometimes when I hear um, an older generation say, you know what, when you preach, uh, you don't need to preach to me. Like, I've heard this, and I know this, but could you make sure that if I bring somebody new, he can follow you? Or can you make sure when my kids are sitting with me that they're with you? Like, I, I, I love that, you know? Or, you know, a certain generation could say, you know what, I, I've been around church many years, and I, I like this style of worship, but could you please, this is Iowa City, the average age is 29, could you please make sure that if somebody's young in here, they get this, they like it here. I, I love that. And I love when I hear in a younger, you can define that however you want to too, right? When a younger generation is just asking things like, how can, how can my friends and I just really honor those that have walked with Jesus for a long time or longer than us? Or can you, I get this request a lot, can, can you introduce me to somebody from that generation who can mentor me, who can walk with me, who can teach me things that I don't know? Guys, those are beautiful pictures of peacemaking, that it's not people defending and, de- and demanding their own but because of peace with Christ, they're free to look and say, how can I serve and how can I make sure there's peace around me? So let me recommend, there's, this is a topic we could have spent weeks on. There's a ministry called uh, Peacemakers. It's by a guy named Ken Sandy. I'd say for the last 15 years, he's been one of the, I, I think, most biblical and practical speakers on how to bring peace into families, into marriages, and into churches. And so he had a book that was like this thick, and maybe knowing the American tension span, he wrote one that's about this big, and now he's actually come out with a pamphlet, all right? So, and these are free. Like, we've got these out there for you. I would highly recommend this. What this, if, if it helps you, like when you're, maybe even in your marriage or with your kids or with a friend, like, okay, what do I do? Like, just lays out clear plans for how to be a biblical peacemaker, how to out of the truth of the gospel, then move forward practically uh, to bring peace in the relationships in your life. So um, he's really, really good about, sometimes we'll go into two ditches when it comes to conflict. We'll either avoid a conflict and just, you know, just not bring it up and sweep it under the rug, or we'll attack, you know. And so looking at more of a biblical response to these. So if it wasn't for the bacon, they'd be right there. But it's good to have bacon. So, but they're also at the Resource Center or at Parkview Connect, if you have to go out of your way, get your bacon first, but then get one of these. Don't grease it up. Don't stain it, but just get one of these. These are incredibly practical tools, and I recommend any, anything that he's been writing about that topic. So, so um, grab one of those. And then the last place, so in the world, in the church, uh, God longs to see unity. And can I just say now, in our homes, that God would love to see unity in our homes. And can I, I mean, we all play a role in that. Uh, married or not, uh, we have siblings, we have um, roommates, we are parts of community groups. But if I could speak out of, again, I just have a minute or two to wrap this up, out of all those relationships, 
if I could speak uh, to couples this morning, if I could speak in the context of marriage, um, it is so important to not give up pursuing biblical peace. It seems like the longer you get married, conflicts can get swept under the rug and you could go into the avoid or the attack ditch. And yet God is calling us uh, to, to biblical peacemaking in our marriages. When I do premarital counseling, there's an equation I use um, because usually they're coming in, oh, is this going to be a great marriage? And I don't think we'll have any conflicts. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be awesome. And one of my jobs is to pop that bubble. <laughs> and so in a, in, a, in a positive way, you know? So one way I do that is there's an equation that we use in premarital counseling. It's conflict plus resolution equals intimacy. Conflict plus resolution equals intimacy. And the given in that relationship is conflict. Conflict is going to come into any marriage. The perfect marriage isn't one that doesn't have conflict. Uh, you take two sinful, proud people and slam them into a one flesh relationship, there's, you better believe, going to be some conflict, right? And so conflict, but the key is resolution. That when you have two peacemakers that are starting vertically, okay, I'm at peace with God now, and I just focus on what God has done for me through the gospel. And now I can step toward my wife or step toward my husband not demanding, not fighting for, not, but just God is for me and with me. So now I'm free to move in and, and confront things that need to be confronted. Um, if Lori were here this morning, she'd be incredibly gracious with me, but there's things in my life that need to change. And so being a peacemaker doesn't mean she doesn't bring those up, but being a peacemaker means that she, because she loves me and because she's at peace with God, she brings those to my attention and she prays for me and she helps me grow in those areas. And so some things we've tried to work into our rhythm are things like this, that not in the heat of a moment, not in the heat of a conflict, but maybe on a date night or when things are good, to be able to ask each other questions like, what, what should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? What should I start doing? Like just to be in a rhythm where we give each other access into our lives, to speak the truth in love. It's interesting, Ephesians 4 was that passage where the manner worthy of our faith is unity. Two times in that chapter, it says, speak the truth in love. So you don't sweep things under the rug. You don't say the hard things, but you do say the hard things. But you say them in the right time, with the right tone, uh, and with the right heart, that we understand we're at peace with God. And so now I can move forward with my spouse. But um, I, we, we see as a church, and maybe we see it in our homes too, that there's times where we just have avoided or, or attacked conflict for too long. And so the key is to really, really aim for what does biblical peacemaking look like? And if we can pray for you afterwards, if we can help you and walk through this, any of the Ken Sandy stuff I was talking about is really helpful, but just really strive to be peacemakers at home. One of my favorite stories when I used to do student ministry um, was this kid named Chris. Chris was about 15 years old. Um, long hair, soccer player, never been to church, kind of looked at us like this is a bunch of stupid God stuff. I've never seen a kid switch so much. Like from that to a talk around a bonfire where we talked about Jesus, the guy afterwards is up bawling. He's like, I need God in my life. Like it was, it was cool. Like I would not have picked Chris to be who's most likely here to start following God at the end of the night. It would not have been Chris. And so kind of a rough kid, rough past, rough background, um, but was broken by God. And so he goes, well, what should I do now? It's just like, well, you know, part of the talk was trust God to do big things. What's a big thing in your life that you need? And he was like, well, I haven't talked to my stepdad in years. We fight all the time. It's like, well, let's pray for that. Let's pray that you and your stepdad 
can have peace in your relationship. We prayed. And so Chris was a brand new Christian. He didn't know any better that you're not supposed to take God at his word. I'm joking. Like we are supposed to, but a lot of times we don't, right? And so he just goes home, okay, I'm going to trust God with this. And so he knocks on his father and stepdad's office door, his back to him, walks in and just says, we need to talk. And by the grace of God, something had been stirring in his stepdad's life as well. And they turned around and they stood just face to face in this guy's office for about an hour and just talked. In fact, when Chris's mom came home and saw them doing this, like, like this close to each other, her instinct was to run between them and shove them apart. She thought they were ready to come to blows or another just horrible fight. And when, they saw, and when she saw they both had like tears in their eyes and they were talking, she was just completely blown away. And eventually that whole family, he had two sisters too, that whole family came to Jesus. Um, but it was, it was Chris hearing about the peace that God had offered him and not knowing any better than to move forward into a conflict and let's see what God can do with this. And so that's my encouragement this morning is let's maybe go back to that faith of a fresh, of a fresh believer that we have a God as a peacemaker and he's extending peace to us. And let's stop just letting the days go by and the weeks go by and the years go by where we've got some conflict going wherever that is. It could be as close as a spouse or a kid. Um, it could be as distant as a step-parent or whoever that you haven't talked to in years can we just see God use us as peacemakers, okay? Both in the world of people who don't know God and then with the people in our lives. God is a peacemaker and he's calling us to be peacemakers. Um, let's pray. And um, I, I wanna back off and give you a chance to pray again. And then like was said, there's gonna be some leaders up front. If you just wanna pray with people this morning, we'd love to pray with you. But let me just give you a chance to pray where you are right now. And can I ask you again, we did this at the beginning of the service, but can we pray now? Are you really at peace with God? And if not, could you just look back at the gospel and what God has done for you to prove that he loves you, to prove that he wants peace with you? And so either if you do feel like you're at peace with him today, just thank him for that and praise him for that. But if you're not, um, if there's just not peace in general in your life, you're just freaked out about finances, friends, family, future, that's just a sign that you don't know that God is for you and with you. And so could you just visit that vertical peace that God is offering you? Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give you. Just, just pray vertically. Are you at peace with God? Get the peace of God in your life. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Parkview Church. We pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For additional teaching, resources, podcasts, as well as information on who we are and our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.parkviewchurch.org.